Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Also fantastic is Rick Venturi, who rejoins us right now. And you mentioned Pendleton being a picture postcard oh. type of town. It is. It is awesome over there. It's one of my favorite yeah. places. The the little antiques, the, the, the you know, the, just the, the, the just the vibe when mm. you're there. It really is a cool place to live. No question about it. And actually, right on the expressway, you can get yeah. down, you can get downtown pretty quick until you get down near Castleton, and then you get in stopped a, in traffic in, yeah. in a second. Like I said, this is this <laughs> yeah. is this is is my motorcycle country out here coming out of that Morse Reservoir. All these back roads, man, I know them very you stay well. Stay away from that loose gravel, yeah, my friend. I do. No loose gravel. Yeah, I do. Uh, all right. Well, the Colts may be starting a season in some loose gravel themselves right here, let's just say. And we've documented the whole Jonathan Taylor situation. You know, maybe some numbers a little bit later on as to when when Chris the other day was talking about 4-12, and 4-12, and 12, and, you know, this is uh, – yeah, this is who we are right now or whatever. We'll get to that in a second. But let's start with Anthony Richardson because I think that is going to have the most profound effect with the absence of Jonathan Taylor without question. What do you think from what you've seen so far from the rookie? Well, I, I will say this. I'll start out with a little bit of hyperbole. In the, in the autumn of my life, in the autumn of my career here, it is going to be my joy to watch this kid develop. There's no question about it. I very seldom, and you know me, John, like a book, I'm, I don't give you a company line. I, I don't, I, nothing is, is filtered. Everything is unfiltered. Very seldom do I ever actually like a kid we drafted better five weeks after after I've watched him right. than I do this kid. And here, here's what I mean by that. You know, and if you if you actually just look at I looked every practice since rookie minicamp, every joint practice, every um every preseason game, every big play that happened, every wow play that happened yeah. Was Anthony Richardson, right. whether it's the long throw that was dropped, the seam, the big corner pattern, some of the runs, some of the designed runs, some of the escapes. You know, it, it really almost looked like, and I, I, I don't mean to be negative, almost like Rich John, you know, it was almost like Anthony and the Pips, yeah. to, to be honest right. with you. Yeah. And, and I think that is a bit That's a great of, reference, that, by the way, that right is, there. Yeah. That, that is a bit of a problem. Now, what I see in Anthony, and, and, one, and a couple of the reasons that he's really grown on me. One, it, it took nothing to <clears throat> look at combine results, watch the combine. I mean, Miss Sherry could go to the combine and walk out of there and say, this guy is unique. Right. This is unprecedented. These numbers are unprecedented. <clears throat> Excuse me. But what I've seen and what's been impressive to me is, John, he brings more quarterback skills uh, right to the table um, you know first of all I didn't expect him to be as comfortable in the pocket as he is he actually is very poised in the pocket uh, I, I thought he would be a one look and run guy he, he is not he will go through the progression at this point maybe a little bit too long because it takes him a little time to process it number two 
He has a tremendous, he's got good quarterback mechanics. Terrific release, it's compact, ball comes out, tight spiral, comes out of there really, really good. And then he has great football character, okay? And what do I, how do I define football character? Number one, he has a high football IQ. He's a workaholic. He's a team first guy. He's humble. And he has a charisma about him. It's not, it's not like Peyton, the ringmaster, but it's a presence. He walks out of the field. There's just a presence. <laughs> Part of it is yeah. the voice, the whole deal, right. the whole package. Now, he does only have 13 games under his belt. I don't think he has a very good supporting cast. So there's going to be bumps in the road. I mean, this thing isn't going to just take off. I will say that at some point, I think the merging of Steichen, who I like very much, if you want to talk about him, it, he is the perfect coach for Richardson and his development. And I, and I will say that at some point in time, there will be greatness there. Now, the problem right now is he doesn't have a lot of great players around him. I mean, we don't have the ambient guys, receivers, running backs. I think our offensive line is going to be better again. I think that's going to be a plus. And the things that he has to work on, you know, when people talk about accuracy, I always talk about Sunday accuracy versus Saturday accuracy. On Saturdays, quarterbacks throw to open receivers. On Sundays, you throw receivers open. Now, how does that affect Richardson? This is what I mean by that. On on Sunday, you have to anticipate where the receiver is going to be and where the defender is going to end up. Not where he is, where he's going to end up. And that takes an amount of processing that's going to take time. Now, if he doesn't play, if you back him up and he watches, he's not going to get better. So you got to live with those things. What I see more than an inaccuracy of mechanics, of pure passing, is when he gets clouded, when he doesn't process something and doesn't see it right away, he tends to hold it, reload and then make try to make an athletic play which he probably made as a kid his whole life and when he does that he gets kind of off rhythm off balance I I think when he reloaded and tried to throw the screen at Buffalo and got intercepted that's an example of that Uh, you know and, and, and I think sometimes a great athlete I never had this problem but a great athlete has to kind of learn on how when to fold them you know, yeah, there's times right. it's just not there. Right. It's not going to be there. Put it in the dirt. Take the sack, whatever. So, I mean, I think those things are, 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 are going to take some time. But I think he has the perfect coach who just went through it with Jalen Hurts, who took Jalen Hurts from A to Z. Now, there's one thing I haven't talked a lot about, and I, I'll talk about it with you. A lot of my peers, a lot of coaches who came up in my era – uh, they don't. They don't. They haven't stayed up with this style of football. The difference in 1999 and playing today, in today's game, a kid like Richardson brings 50% of the game with them. Yeah. Peyton Manning came in and right. he had to learn the whole pro game. Hand the ball off. Every sophisticated coverage known to man. All the zone reads, the RPOs that he's been running in college, he brings that with him. 
So what the Colts have to do is they have to develop him on NFL situational football. Third down where there's, you know, blitzes, a lot of sophistication, red zone, you know, and when he struggled in practice, it's been in those areas. And the other thing that is, I think is going to affect him, and, and it was when we worked out against Philadelphia last Tuesday, it hit me right between the eyes. It really did. Not that I don't know this, but sometimes when you look at it from the press box or you look at it on tape, you get one view. Here's what I saw at Philadelphia. And we're going to mirror Philadelphia. Philadelphia is where we want to be. Yeah. I mean, once we drafted Richardson, we changed the landscape of cold football. Yeah. You guys are talking about reboot, reload, all that. It's a reshaping. Sure. Because you're never going to look the same since we've been here. This is totally different. But what Philadelphia does is they can establish they can establish the running game with Jalen Hurts as the primary guy. They are quarterback run centric. And when they do that, they force you to come down with your safeties and what I call load the box. And we did a good job in that Tuesday practice. We took away the run. We basically take away took away Hurts. But you know what happened? A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith said, okay, oh, yeah. you play us that way, they would have had probably 28 or 35 points sure. oh, yeah. to those guys because yeah. they immediately just go downfield, throw the ball on the outside of the numbers, throw it down there for touchdowns. And really, without those receivers, they'd be a really good team, but they'd be more around 500. Well, those guys make them a championship yeah. team. you know. And at this point, we haven't had anybody that has proven it to me, and, and I hope I'm proven totally wrong, that is going to, you know, they're going to poke fear in anybody outside the numbers. So Rick Venturi is with us, Mystic Waters Campground. And quick thing, and then we'll go to break here regarding the Colts. And, and you brought this up because with, with the wide receivers the Colts have, the thing I still notice that has been apparent forever Zero separation yeah, whatsoever. Yeah. And I think, I think that's with Richardson, fair. I think with Richardson, what you're talking about is trying to do it overall now using his athleticism. And I think that also holds true with his cannon of an arm. He's going to try to stuff that ball in there sometimes when there's nothing. Like, to me, I, I unfortunately, I visualize so many deflections that end up turning into defensive interceptions going the different way because he's going to force things because his receivers rarely find any window of separation with their defenders. I, oh, I think that's fair. And I, and I think it's been really apparent this summer. I, I actually thought that we looked better a year ago. But it too. Uh, you well. know, even with uh, Pierce, I thought we looked better a year ago. You know, Pittman has always been a, a possession you know, short first, second level guy. He's never been a guy that beats anybody deep. And Pierce was that guy who we thought could take the, the top off the defense. But I think he struggled. Now, you know, maybe he will. But if I'll, I'll, phrase, I'll kind of I'll phrase your question a little bit different way, because I look at what I look at is I look at when I when I get ready to, for a team and when I look at us, I look at it through the prism of a defensive coordinator looking at our offense. So. What is a defensive coordinator going to do? He's going to say, what we can't do is let Richardson beat us with his legs. Yeah. I mean, his wild plays this summer are yeah. amazing. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's run over people. Yeah. The other night, it's third and, third and 15. He yeah. runs for 16. Yeah. We get a call back. It looked like that's what happens in 12-year-old football. So you're going to say, okay, we are going to shut off the edge, no matter how many guys it takes. 
We're not going to let you beat Richardson. We'll bring pressure on third down, fill every lane. We're not going to let him go. And we're going to say, we're going to play you one-on-one. We're going to press you. We're going to – you You got Pittman and Pierce. You beat us one-on-one outside the numbers. And that's what the game's yeah. going to come down to. Now, Richardson's already showing you. He can throw the deep ball. All these kids coming out of college, the one thing they can do – they can really throw the deep ball, and he can throw the deep ball. But, again, it's, I really think our season, you know, is, is, at least offensively, is going to come down to what can we accomplish outside the numbers. That, I, I think it's all about that. And, and, and it's, we only have four guys on the team. Now we will have more. <laughs> so, I mean, it's really going to come down yeah. to Pierce stepping up, Pittman stepping up. I really think that's it. Rick Venturi is kind enough to join us for the better part of an hour right here. I want to get to the cornerback situation. Everybody was kind of wondering why Darius Rush uh, was jettisoned and then immediately picked up by the Super Bowl champion team in Kansas City. What does that look like, and then why was that the move, you think, for the Colts? (laughs) I was awed by it. I mean, I'm still shocked by it. I mean, why at a position of tremendous need where we have nothing but unknowns going into the season – and this kid is by far the fastest corner at 4-3-6. And he actually had good moments early in camp. Now, you know, he, he got torched a little bit late. Maybe there's a, a problem they don't like. But I was, you know, and then we keep like a thousand defensive tackles, some of <laughs> which, do. I mean, they're really on the witness. Pro- there's a couple guys de- we kept a defensive tackle that, I mean, they're on the witness protection program. I, I, I don't, People tell me Chris has changed his philosophy. You would, but you would I, have yeah. to tell me. And, and to, to give up a potential corner like that is maddening. Um, you know, I will say that this is a position, and I don't think we're going to know. I, I mean, I don't, you know, it's, it's one thing to be here in, in practice. You know, we really never took a snap against the number one defense, not one no. in all training camp, not a live snap. We did have, you know, we did have good practices in the joint practices. You know, we went in with real question marks. And I thought that Baker and Flowers actually competed. They, do, they both do have speed. They're both an identical 4-4-3. They're both competitors. And, and I thought that they basically held up decently um, until they got against those top guys at Philadelphia, and, and then they showed their warts. But, uh, you know, not a lot of depth. Juju seems like he's injured. Uh, doesn't seem, you know, he's a ways away. Uh, you know, at, at this point, uh, you know, Jones looks a little bit um, a little bit more. What's Kenny Moore look like to you? you know, Kenny, now Kenny is on it. You know, yeah. Kenny, Kenny was uh, out of it mentally a year ago, and it showed in his play. Um, I, I think he's really ready. I, I think he's, at, particularly at the nickel, I think he'll have another good year. Rejoined now from the Colts Radio Network, the former coach, Rick Venturi, joins us. All right, I mentioned this. I knew we weren't going to talk too much about Jonathan Taylor, and I know everybody listening right now is thrilled with that in mind. But this is with respect to what Chris Ballard had to say, a four-win team. We're a four-win team. Well, wait a minute. Taylor is your most dynamic player, and you don't want it. Well, we're a four-win team, meaning either you blame it on Taylor or you're evaluating absolutely everything. Whatever. In terms of the necessity of Jonathan Taylor this season, which they're not going to have at least for the first four games, and then compare it with last year, and what was an injury-plagued season for him and a four-win season, but where should the blame be? Like, where does he rank in the hierarchy of blame for this four-win team, Rick, last year? Well, I I would only say this. 
between reason one and reason 100 mm. for that 4, 12, and 1, and I'm going to get th into yeah. the reasons, I would say Jonathan Taylor would be about 150. Yeah, no doubt. Not about 150. Just be, be completely off the charts. And, yeah. the, and, you know, to, to, to imply that, if the implication is about him, it's a little bit cliche. I, I was with Belichick back in Cleveland, and if we were having a bad day on a practice field, he might turn around to the, the starting offense and say, hey, I can find 11 better guys than you at Foxborough High School or at yeah. Berea High School. But he, it, would, it would always be in jest in that sense. Right. And I, I prefer to take the Ted, Ted Marchabroda approach is – you win because of and in spite of different guys. And so, you know, you can be 4-12 and 12 and have a great player. If, you know, Walter Payton played on a lot of bad teams. He did. Uh, you know, if you, wanted to, if, if you wanted to put it on Walter until they really got some good players guys around, around him. Guys around him, yeah. Here's the reality of the 4-12-1. And, and I could go through a million things, but for the fans, I'm going to bring it down to my big six. These, this is why you're 4-12-1. All right, number one, the first two things are team issues, both offense and defense. Okay, first, number one, and this alone killed the season. In turnover differential, the Colts were 32nd, minus 13. The year before, in, in, in 2021, we were number two in the league with a plus 14. Because of Shaquille Leonard so, for the most part. Yeah. yeah, and not turning the ball yeah, over. Right. I mean, we it's because it's both ways. Right. You turn it over, you don't take it away. But at the end of the day, minus 14. You're, if you're not in the top 10 turnover ratio, the only team ever to violate that was the Rams, the greatest show on turf. Number two, red zone offense and defense. The, the efficiency was awful. 29th on offense and again on defense and I think a lot of our defensive ills were masked because so much issue so much attention was paid, placed on the quarterback and the lack of offense and I think our defense got a pass they were 32nd in the red zone yep. dead last now here's two offensive stats and the reason I'm bringing these up these have to change if we're going to go from 4 and 12 to competitive in the division then these have to change you know on offense Offense, number 30 in scoring, 17 points a game. When did we ever think since 1998 that a Colt team would be 30 no doubt. In, in scoring? Yeah. I mean, that's just – 17 points a game it, sounds it, ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You have to – in modern-day football, I used to say from a defensive standpoint, if you hold somebody to 20 – you probably are a playoff. No, yeah. I used to say, actually, we used to say 17. Now it's probably 24. Right. The game is wide open. Uh, but 17, if you're only getting 17, you're not winning. And then in sacks, 3.5 a game to be 31st. So not scoring points, getting your quarterback knocked to hell, those two things. But then on defense, now these are a little bit surprising, and these killed us. And yet I think it's glossed over, and I'm going to be watching this really closely is in fourth quarter defense, when you had to stop them, you know, this is it. Game's on the line. And I really believe, had we, had we been able to do this, despite our team not being very good, we'd have been a 500 team. 31st. Mm. 31st in the league in the yeah. fourth quarter. And the, and, the, and the NFL is very much like the NBA today. It's going to come down to the last four minutes. We, we set a record last year of fewest as the, of the shortest point differential. I think it's 8.1. I mean, all games are one yeah. possession games. Yeah. It's, it's a parity league. And if, 
if you're 31st and you can't stop them when you have to, that's your fault. And then here's the thing that kills me, and this has been killing me. This killed me through the Eberflus era, and it's killing me again, is the quarterback rating, quarterback's rating against us is 96-2, which is number 30. So, I mean, you got, you got, you got yeah. quarterback rating, you got fourth quarter defense, lack of scoring, sacks, and then the two biggest team issues is the turnover differential and red zone efficiency. And until that changes, okay, if you want to say why were you 4-12, that's why you're 4-12. Well, and, and there's, there's no doubt. And, you know, a lot of people thought maybe that was a, a pointed finger at, at Jonathan Taylor or whatever. But you know what? I gathered all that information from you and I was thinking about it. And we were talking about this during the break. That is, for, for anybody that remembers the Bill Poley and Manning era, that was completely opposite. The numbers you read off were opposite of anything of that golden era, which we saw such a, a high amount of success to where we expect that today. Completely opposite. Ross. Yeah. No, there's, there's no question about it. Yeah. it it's, it's, it's inverted. And, you know, I, I really think a lot of it, in many cases, has to do with roster building. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, and, and, and this is something that I've, 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 I think I've become more aware of the longer I've been into it. Sometimes when you watch the game from a little bit of distance than being right in the middle of it, I, I think sometimes you actually see a clearer, bigger picture. And, you know, when you look at Ross, people say, well, what's the Colts roster like? What's this team's roster? Well, you're going to have to define roster to me, okay? Because I actually believe – the way the NFL salary cap is, is, is right now, the hard cap, the X amount of dollars, that 85% of the money is going to 15% of the players, starting now yeah. with exorbitant quarterback money, okay? But the league is based on parity. It doesn't matter if you're coaching in Los Angeles or Indianapolis. You're still dealing out of the same deck. The difference is not the middle or end of the roster. In other words, John, if you're coaching at New England, I think your number 25 is going to be the same as my 25, going to be the same as the Rams 25. Your number 35, your number 52, because the salary cap dictates a certain kind of guy there. The difference in winning and losing, okay, is based on the top 10 to 12 guys on your roster. And, and, and by that I mean... You've got to have the difference makers, the game changers in that top 10 players. And along with that, that it also carries what is the position value. So you got to have a great quarterback, number one. Now, at least we've taken a step there. But at the end of the day, you know, when you look at Polian's team, what they have? Hall of Fame receivers, yeah. obviously Hall of Fame quarterback, great running back, and two great edge rushers. And then the rest of it, they coached, to be yeah, honest with right. you. That was it. And if you look at the models, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, uh, Kansas City over the years, th that's what they have. That is exactly yeah. what they have. And so to me, the problem that the Colts have is we have so much money tied up in positions of lower value, okay? You don't, you don't have those game changers in that top 10, both offensively and defensively. When I was a rookie coach in 1982, I had an old personnel director who had been Don Shula's Baltimore Colts. And he said something to me that has stuck forever, and it's as true today as it was in 1982. He said to me, when you draft high, 
you take one of two things, guys who put the ball in the end zone or guys who knock the quarterback down. Right. Period. Right. Period. Yeah. Full stop. End yeah. of the discussion. And that's, that's stood the test of time. It, and yeah. It, yeah, it has. Yeah. You look at the Cincinnatis. You look at, you look at those top teams, Philadelphia. I just told you, I watched Philadelphia up close in person. They would have a really good team, period. But at the end of the day, they've got those two outside receivers yep. that just torch you. They have those edge rushers that just torch you. You know, and it's not it's really not about your guards and your center. It's it's about your perimeter players, your skilled players, and that's where the void is here. That's so weird for me, too, because I brought this up. Rick Venturi joins us. We're at Mystic Waters Campground. The Labor Day weekend bender is officially underway on this show. And uh, all right. So, you know, he mentioned, you know, left guard getting money, you know, giving extensions in the past, left guard, linebacker, whatever. It is so curious to me. And I think this is more of a gym thing than it is anybody in this, too. But so curious, they've decided to draw a complete line in the sand with a guy this year in Taylor that clearly you and I both know they need and they need desperately. Well, you know, I, I think you can look at it different ways. <clears throat> and <clears throat> I have no way of knowing this except that I know I know the personality. I, I will have a tough time. I have a tough time. You and I talked about mm-hmm. this off air. I have a tough time believing that Jimmy Irsay would ever step in the way of paying his star money. That, that, that's there it. is yes. absolutely no historical data to that. If anything, with Jim over the years, if you wanted yes. somebody, if you told him you had to have him, if anything, he would overpay. Why has that changed? There is well, I'm not, I don't think yeah. it has. I got, see, I'm not. I'm not buying into. So you don't think it's Jim? You I, think I'm it's, not. I'm not buying yeah. into that Jimmy is stalling this. Now, it's it's a little bit of a perfect storm. I, I think you know. Number one, the change in agents really affected. Uh, it, it really affected JT attitudinally. In April, he was ready to go. But with the change of agents, all of a sudden the demeanor changed, and all of a sudden we went from a joyful guy to a guy with a hoodie and frowning, and all of a sudden we're going to take a much, you know, we're going to take a tougher stand right, on this right. now. We're, not, we're going from full-out team guy to tougher stand, okay? The Colts, regardless of whose decision, it's a Colt decision, for some reason, you know, have no penchant to increase them. They don't. No. I mean, if they, if they would have, if they did, they would have. Okay? And then you have the perfect storm of the position devaluation. And there's no question about that. And I'm not so sure in my gut that Steichen doesn't have a little influence on that because at Philadelphia, I think they believe that backs are interchangeable. Now, why do I say that? Because they just let a guy they did. 1,200 yards, 1,200 and change, I think 1,259. They just let Sanders go, just let him go straight out because they think that's a plug-and-play uh, situation. And, and see, that's something that we don't know yet. Yeah, and we, because, don't, we yeah, don't know yeah. if, that, if that's right or wrong. But I'm just saying there is a history there where all of a sudden that value wasn't that great, you know. Uh, you know, and, and obviously you see Chicago, you know, you see Barkley, you see Jacobs, you know, getting just a little bit beyond that. Um, the franchise take money, you know, which is about what it is. And so you kind of have this perfect storm. And then when you, you know, you start having comments outside to the media, then if things get personal, they get more difficult and more difficult. 
Um, but it it will be interesting. The thing that you know, you know, the, we can talk about system, and I, I like to talk about system because I think the modern day offense, you know, with the with the Allens, you know, with the Lamar Jacksons, uh, uh, with with uh, with with Jonathan. Okay, I mean, uh, with Anthony. I mean. These offenses now are quarterback-centric run offenses, so a lot of the running game is done with RPOs and zone reads. And by that I mean the quarterback makes the decision at the line and the handoff, if it's a light box, I'm giving it to him. If not, I'm taking it. So, you know, it's not like you're turning around, handing to the running back 35 times like we used to or 25 times. So that, that devaluation has continued. Now, the only thing that I'll say is it's still a game of big plays and home run hitters. And Jonathan Taylor was the one home run hitter on a team that hits nothing but nothing. singles. Yes. Okay? Yeah. He had, again, it's 10 runs over 50. You know, it's, it's 50 runs over 10. And in terms of his first three years, more rushing yardage per, per carry than any, yeah. any back in history. So uh, how do you define greatness there? I, I'm, not, I'm not sure myself. <laughs> well, I mean, unless there's something else going on behind the scenes, and, you know, I have my views and, and thoughts, you have yours as well. Rick Venturi, by the way, joins us. It, it makes zero sense, and really for both sides, as we've talked about, uh, because obviously Jonathan Taylor and his representation have a lot to do with this, and there have been missteps everywhere. I, I just I, I don't know why. If you're going to draw the line of the sand, if Chris Ballard is you know making this you know this ph- philosophical change, um, it's going to take a while uh, because he's going against the grain of what he had thought for the first six years that clearly didn't work. But you know why you would take the stand in this particular moment with that player in the fashion in which they have done makes zero sense to me. Well, none. I, I, I think you have to read between the lines a little bit. You know, I, I think the 4-12 and 12 Im, I, implication is there. I, I, I don't think it's as subtle as everybody's making it. I'm, I think that implication is we can go 4-12 and 12 playing with anybody. 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 And also, I think what nobody's talking about is new coaching staff. And I do think that this offense coming in is totally different than anything we've ever seen. And I don't think that the I don't think that they value the running back as we're used to the running back being valued. Now, what they value is those outside receivers, because if if you got a quarterback that's going to force you to play eight, nine in a box, then what the way you beat that is yeah. with Devontae Smith. Uh, you know, and, and with A.J. Brown. And, and Shane is going to find out pretty quickly he don't have those two guys in his, in his golf, in his well, golf there's no There's no doubt. <laughs> I mean, that, that is a, a change in philosophy of Chris Ballard, too, because it's always been up front, both sides of the football. That's where you start. And, you know, what? all these philosophies and all these sayings we've heard, you know, wanting all this depth, depth here and depth there, and you find yourself going into year number seven with Chris, and there's no depth anywhere. And the only depth, really, the best depth you have, I guess it's ironic here, is a quarterback. Well, and, and that's you don't right. want to you don't want to see him. You don't want to see Gardner Minshew play. But if you're looking for the best depth you have, it's at that position. I, you know, that's a good point. I mean, you're basically you've you've taken the kid fourth, 
I'm, I'm, I'm tremendous with it. I think inevitably, and I don't think tomorrow, I, I think that Young may be better than him initially, but in the long run, this guy is going to be the best of them all. And, and I do think... Do you think Anthony's going to be better than anybody? Oh, I, I yeah. think he's going to be better. And I, and, I do, and I do believe in my gut, and Jimmy said it to me, Jim Ursay said it to me on the interview yeah. uh, not a couple weeks ago in the booth that, that he would have taken Richardson if he had the number one pick. And I, and I believe that. I, I actually totally believe that from the beginning of the draft process uh, out of the combine to the rest of the way. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I think Chris think, had to be talked into that, too, Well, right? and I, I, think, so. I think what, you know, to me what ended up happening there in my book, and this is a gut feeling again, is that Shane came in and he said, this guy, has, he, this guy can take us to the mountain and I can fix yeah. what has to be fixed, the accuracy, the touch. You know, and those are things he's got to get better at, that Sunday accuracy, you know, and a little bit of touch. He still has a lot of Araldus Chapman in him. I mean, there's times, particularly on that first level, he's got, to, he's got to be willing to give it to him with a little bit softer throw where you can catch and run and things like that. But, again, I go back to my old Fred Schubach, and I will not ever get away from this. If you want to build a great team, you get people who put the ball in the end zone. There's no doubt. And guys yeah. who knock the quarterback down. When the Colts had – they had Reggie and they had Harrison and they, and they, of course, Manning, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer, and Edger. And, and then on defense, you had Freeney and Mathis. So that, yeah. is, that, that, that right. is that formula in a microchasm to the limit, and you had championship football. I mean, we went, we went here uh, from 98 to 18 – you know, fourth best record in pro football, fourth best. Yeah. Re- you know, and and really a lot of that emanated with Bills. You know, and maybe maybe he looked out. Harrison was already here. Uh, you know, and he did get rid of Marshall, but he came right back with uh, with Edgerin. But again, great skill players and pass rushers. And now, then, and you yeah. talk about now this regime has missed on two second round corners. Yeah, they've missed on a ton of second round rushers. You know, so it's it's, yeah. it's constantly it's constantly money chasing money. I mean, it, yeah. You know, and hopefully, you know, maybe Quiddy Pay comes around this year. I mean, you know, it's. Do, time. do you see any? I was going to ask Quiddy Pay and and Dial Dembe. Do you see these yeah. guys well, here, here, either one making a significant stance this year? Yeah, we'll see. You know, I, I think we'll. I see. feel the same way. I think we'll see yeah. if, if we got time. I can, I can really explain what I see in that defensive line. Do you, you got a minute here? Go ahead, but oh, no, yeah, it's okay. No. He said break, but he normally does that to oh, me oh, okay. because he knows that I go way, way over. I'm so, used yeah. to my radio station yeah. back in St. Louis. That was like you got ten seconds. He says get... that to me because he knows I go okay. long here, all the time. Here's what really I quick about the defense. We, we yeah. talked about the defense, and I think the the key to this defense, whether or not it is we're a competitor or not, it's going to be. Can those corners hold up? And can we generate outside rush? And that means players, and it means Gus Bradley. Gus Bradley has, if you don't have organically or you don't have the talent, you got to generate it. you got to bring some pressure. Here's what I see Pay. Pay has, Pay has a lot of ability. He's a run player. I think he thinks too much. I listened to an interview the other day, and he gave about 27 concepts. And I'm going like, no. Think like Will, Willie Mays used to say, when they hit it, I catch it. When they throw it, I hit it. 
Okay, what <laughs> Quiddy? Quarterback is here. Yeah, get him. Yeah, you know, get a spin, do something. Don't just run into people. Dio has, you know, has been one of our better rushers in the summertime, but it's against the Vitalis squad. It really right. is. The guy to me that has to be in the rush package if he can stay healthy is Lewis. I, I think my rush package would be on second down. It would be Pay on the left, Lewis on the right, and then Buckner and Pay, er, um, Buckner and Dio inside. And then you got to bring pressure. You got you can't sit there in an over defense four man rush for 17 Sundays. Can't do it. Yeah. No, there's no doubt about that. Uh, man, that's. I, I look at it this way too. I mean, would you call this a reboot? What'd you say earlier? Rebuild? I, well, I'm not. You know, I, my thing is because of the draft, because of Richardson. This is a reshaping. This is a total. That's why, in some ways, we're a box of chocolates. I don't think it. I don't think we're necessarily have no chance because I think our our division is manageable. Our first eight games, we got two playoff teams. That's it, and two playoff teams about nine and eight. Yeah. So I mean, you can you can manage it week after week after week, but it's a reshaping from the standpoint is bringing Richardson in there. This is like no other offense we've ever seen since the Mayflower came here. I mean, this is a half NCAA. And that's exactly how it looked you know. when you watched him on TV. Yeah. He said, you know what? It, it was, it's totally, it was eye popping. And you have yeah. and you have to and you have to adapt to it. This is what I tell the older coaches that say it was a bad pick. I, I always say it's not a bad pick. You don't see where the game is going. Yeah. I watch twelve year old football because of my grandson, and they're all in the spread, and the best athlete now in town plays quarterback. Yeah. He used to be the best passer plays quarterback. Now the best athlete in the city plays quarterback. Right. So, you know, that's what you got. That's what we're looking at down the road. All right. I'm going to go ahead and let you go. you got a dinner to get to, I do. I, I do. And I've got my grandson tonight, and I've got to get him to the Noblesville game. i got all kind of duties. <laughs> I have all kind of duties. I, kind of I, did, I didn't plan hey, on this Friday why, night. Why don't you come back? Miss Sherry's killing why you, me. Why don't you come back and bring Sherry over here? Tonight <laughs> well, like or tomorrow? To. Why don't you? I, I may. I may yeah. very well do that. I so may we can set well you up that. in 39 right there. Okay. I'm so a, I won't I, even crap it up. Or I may, like I may take you up on that. And now that I know where to park, I'll put her on the back of that damn Go wing and we'll be over here. <laughs> so if you ever see somebody on a motorcycle that looks a lot like Rick Venturi here around Pendleton, you'll know that it's Rick Venturi here around Pendleton right here. You know, we we've got to we got to figure something out here to get you on every Monday. I yeah, mean, we just we just do. We got to figure it out, James. I'm gonna leave this up to you. We got to figure this out how to get Rick on every every Monday. I just kind of sit back and soak it up. I can't thank you enough. Oh, John, you're, you're the best, and uh, I enjoy it, and I wish they could work something out. We really had something going. Oh, my goodness. I, every place I go, people ask me about, when are you going to be on with JMV on Monday night? You know, I, oh. just, I get that well, all the time. Well, people wait for this right here, yeah. too. I mean, just the all-encompassing, you know, telling us everything about the start of the season, especially here. I mean, we do it start of the season, end of the season right now, and then obviously with the draft. And uh, Well, what I've tried to do today, and I did it on my podcast with Matt Wednesday, you know, a year ago, I kind of bought into the Kool-Aid, too, and I, I, and I should know better. Yeah. I, went, I went by practices. Uh, we didn't really play them at all in the preseason. We didn't have scrimmages, and I should know better, and I kind of bought into that. This year... I'm a lot more – I'm trying to give the fans a real coach's view, the kind of discussions I would have with Bill Belichick or Nick Saban that were more no, – no sugar-coating, really critical analysis, 
you know, these are the six things we're not very good at, and we better get better. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Coming up here from uh, Bell's Brewery and New Belgium Brewing, but on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, he is in deep-rooted preparation for the start of the football season tomorrow. 3.30 in Bloomington. That's the kick. 2.30 your coverage. 93 WIBC. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, joins us. Hello, Don. How you doing, buddy? Can yeah, you I'm hear sorry. me, Don? Don? I, hear, I do hear you there, buddy. You okay? I'm fine. I'm actually down here at the foul course in Bloomington. We're just finishing up a oh. golf outing here, and uh, that's the reason that we're having a little problem every now and then. <laughs> how was how was Ned doing? Is Ned there with you? Oh yeah, Ned is here today. We, we I'll see him in a few minutes. We're we're going in right now, headed to the clubhouse. So I'll tell him that you said hey. Can you tell Ned Fowl that what he has done with that course, and I loved it before, Don. I loved it before. I loved the driving range. There's nothing better than going out and getting hammered in Bloomington and going out and driving balls and trying to hit the guy that was in that little cart trying to pick up all the balls hit out there. Nothing better than that back in my days in Bloomington. But tell Ned, great job with the course and the way that that looks. That's outstanding. Yeah, you're right. It's it's an absolutely beautiful golf course. It's also one of the hardest you're going to play. But that doesn't matter on a day like today. It was just beautiful out here. And uh, we're playing in, an, in the uh, a Peroni's outing. I won't explain it to you. There's no reason to do that. Um, at any rate, Joe Huff and I are riding down the golf course right now. We're going oh. down the number one fairway backwards, and we're headed to the clubhouse as we speak. And Huffer says, hey. Well, let me tell you what. The legend that is Joe Huff. Have you seen what he owns out near Lake Monroe? Uh, I know he's got 300 acres down here, and he's fighting them like hell. <laughs> Let me. Yeah. <laughs> well, well. You, I mean, you know this. As much as we love Bloomington, there's always going to be a fight with local government in Monroe County. There's always going to be a fight. Um, we, we know that to be true. But um, he's got. Some of the I, – I, I thought I had been everywhere around Lake Monroe. And then for Ron Conley, he had a camp out for the cross-country kids, his son Liam, and all the cross-country kids back in, at the end of July. He has a property off Lake Monroe that's absolutely amazing. I've never been on it before, and I, I had to stop and take pictures. It was great. I know. I know. I haven't. He hasn't invited me out there. He always invited me, but I haven't been able to go. <laughs> <laughs> been out there yet, but I know it's fantastic. And believe me, we had a great time today. We're not probably going to win this event, but if we don't, it's going to be a shock to most people. <laughs> well, we, we all love Joe Huff. I mean, and Joe Huff, too, takes you back to just such great years of IU football. And, you know, it kind of all started when they went to the All-American Bowl, played Deion Sanders in Florida State, Sammy yep. Smith in Florida State. But obviously, you know, all encompasses, you know, being competitive and beating Ohio State, being competitive and beating Michigan. I mean, if you're looking for glory years of IU football, Joe Huff was a part of it majorly. 
Well, there's no question. Uh, nobody was nobody was a, a better player for his size and as a physical specimen, he was not the biggest guy in the world, but nobody was tougher on the football field than Huffer. And obviously, he was special in that regard. And everybody uh, that knows him and knew about him and watched him play knows what I'm talking about. Well, you tell he says, but yeah. he says, but not a good golfer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you tell Huff if he needs anything from us. We're always there. But man, I'm gonna tell you what, his spot down at Lake Monroe is absolutely unmatched to anything else down there. It's it's really amazing. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, joins us. All right, uh, if if you were going to tell somebody about what you think this game, and I'm not talking about the game you know, the, the entire game, but the start of the game. What, what's most important for IU at the start of that game at 3.30 in Bloomington tomorrow? Well, in my opinion, you've got to be able to show that you can do a couple of things. Number one, you've got to keep them contained offensively, and you've got to be able to show them that you can do a little bit offensively yourself. And, you know, the biggest question mark in this football team tomorrow will be, how Indiana plays from the quarterback position because you got two redshirt freshmen that have been vying for that position, and we haven't been told yet who's going to start in that spot. But at the same time, uh, you know, both of these kids are capable, and they've been going back and forth here in the last four weeks of practice and, and uh, fall camp and those kinds of things. And I, honestly, nobody really knows what to expect in that area. And the biggest question mark will be, which one of them will get out there first? And then the second question is, can they manage the game and keep Indiana from making a lot of mistakes out there offensively? Because I think the defense, John, is going to be better than many people think. Uh, only Maybe not necessarily from a defensive backfield perspective, but I think the front seven is going to be pretty good. I really do think that they've upgraded the defensive line, and I think the linebackers are going to be solid yeah. and able to do what they're supposed to do. I think the big question mark on defense is in the defensive backfield. Yeah, and you know what? And, and what makes that better is getting in the face of the quarterback, an inexperienced quarterback up front. And and those are things – I think about that, Don, and I think about what they've done. Because I, called, I talked to Tom last week about that, what they've done with that offensive line. That That's where it all starts right there. The defensive line getting after the quarterback, especially with Ohio State, with an inexperienced quarterback, getting after the Ohio State quarterback, effectively and then being able to protect you know whether you're talking about Sorsby or you're talking about Taven being able to protect and for Taven if he's out there you know maybe some open running lanes where he can take off and show that getting Jalen Lucas loose a little bit with a big play I mean that's what I look for tomorrow if, if I you were able to hang just some big play capabilities that kind of hits Ohio State over the head in that first game of the season to where, you know, things start to be questioned. That's what I look for. Well, I, I agree. And, and my hope is that we're going to see Indiana revert back to how they played in the 2020 season when they were flying all over the field and trying to blitz and you never knew where the, the guys were coming from. I, I thought that season was absolutely special for Indiana. And if they could get back to that style of defensive play, I think it would be spectacular. But because here, the other thing is, Ohio State's also got a guy that hasn't played much football, even though he's an older guy. I mean, they were battling, two players were battling out for that position at Ohio State, just like Indiana's had there too. So 
we don't know what to expect from them in that regard. Obviously, they've got an older player. Or those Both those guys are older players who compared to IU's two redshirt freshmen. But there's still a question mark in that area, too. So we'll just have to wait and see. But let's face facts here. The Buckeyes are ranked number three and four in the country for a reason. They're one of the most talented programs year in and year out. And this will be a big challenge for this Indiana football team. But I'm looking forward to it. Well, you know what? If you're going to have a big challenge, especially in terms of Ohio State, Don, why not in week number one? Because, I mean, there's nothing figured out. There's really nothing known whatsoever. It's a fresh sheet. So if you're going to take on Ohio State, why not in week one in a day like tomorrow? Exactly. Exactly. So uh, from that standpoint alone, I, I think I think people are going to be excited about it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be very hot, so people make sure you bring a lot of fluids with you because it's going to be 90 degrees for a long time tomorrow afternoon. But uh, I just think it's going to be a terrific atmosphere, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun to be a part of. Are you and Joe Huff done with your round? We are done with our round. Oh, man. Right now it's with the fun. What? Well, you're with Joe Huff. Now is when the fun really begins. You know that, right? <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I missed you. Dead Bow was yelling at me. <laughs> now, <laughs> now is when the fun really begins. After the round with Joe Huff. Exactly. <laughs> now, hey, are you going back to Greenwood or are you staying down there tonight? No, I'm actually going to drive up to Cascade uh, High School and watch my uh. son's team play tonight. They're playing up there, so I'll be headed out there here in about an hour. Oh, yeah. See, it's not a home game for Edgewood over in Ellisville, so you won't need your supersonic sunglasses with a red well, field. So Actually, yeah. it's not going to be there. It's going to be at Cascade, so we're, we're driving over to Cascade after we get <laughs> done with this out of here. <laughs> well, hey, tell everybody down there, um, you know this to be true. Um, if there is a place on earth that I love, it is certainly in and around Bloomington for growing up down there. And what Ned has done with the golf course and obviously being a huge fan of Joe, even before you know, our kids were friends over at Ron Colley. Tell everybody down there hello. 2.30 tomorrow afternoon, you guys get an official underway, right? Absolutely. We're looking forward to it, John. It should be a lot of fun. And, uh Maybe we'll surprise some people. We'll see. Hey, uh, Edgewood, kick a little ass tonight up at Cascade. We'll be looking at that score. <laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> they had a tough week last week against Washington, so we hope we can turn it around tonight. I, you know, I have a hard time rooting for Edgewood still because Lance Ringler and his hair. All right? I do. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm going to see him. Maybe I won't see him tonight, but I'm going to see him in the near future, and I'm going to say, Lance, you're going to have to do something about your haircut, buddy. Do something about your hair. I always loved it because his wife was so good at everything athletically, better than he was. I love that. That's always been great. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell him that you said so. <laughs> you got it, buddy. I appreciate it, Don. We'll be listening tomorrow. Thanks, John. See you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, yeah, he's somewhere near Brownsburg just wishing he was here right now. Mike Wells of ESPN Radio joins us. Hello, Mike. Well, first of all, you said campgrounds. My ass does not do anything camping. Dude, if I, dude I'm, in, I I'm in cabin 39 with a television and AC, brother. Come on. 
Man, okay, I'm about to say, I was going to wonder about you because you were really truly out there camping. I was going to no. wonder, I was wondering how you think. I mean, and first of all, uh, what, what's, what's the pumpkin pie mean? What, I mean, y'all, uh, you want some pumpkin pie? Yeah, I'm trying to get some out here. Pumpkin pie and pumpkin cream rolls. Because I guess officially we're into September, and that kind of does usher in the, the fall season to a degree, even though it's still late summer. So I'm trying to bring some sweets out here. Yes. You, are you a big it's pumpkin hot, pie guy? Hell no. I don't eat pumpkin pie, man. I eat sweet what, potato What's pie. wrong with you, dude? What's happening? Listen, this is where I need Hagen at. Hagen would be Team Wells on this one. He messes with sweet potato pie, too. Because, you know, Hagen's an albino brother, too. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, but, I mean, put some whipped cream on that stuff and go to work on it, man. It's like the pumpkin no, cream no. roll. A lot, a lot of icing in there. Come on. Come no, on, man. no, no. Hey, hey. So let me let me ask you this: what what um what's a condensed version of what Venturi thinks of the Colts this season? Well, I mean, I think you just heard it. <laughs> now we're, he's not very high on it, um, and with good reason, right, Mike? I mean, you've covered this team for a long period of time, um, and you know when, when they've had talent, when they don't. And, you know, I've said this before. Somebody had asked me, going back to 2012, Andrew Luck's rookie season, you know, which team has more talent, this one or that one? I would take that one, you know, with Reggie Wayne, uh, with T.Y. Hilton, um, with uh, Anthony Costanzo, you know, and still, even though they didn't put up big numbers, I, th- I still think you had you know, Freeney, right? You still had Mathis coming off the edge. I would take that all day long. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, let me, let me, let me ask you a question. I mean, you had, like you said, Anthony Costanzo, left tackle. Let me ask you this question. Who on yeah. this roster do you say, okay, that there is a security, there's security for Anthony Richardson, whether it's even on the defensive side of the ball or offensive side of the ball. You can't say Shaq, Shaq Leonard because who knows, you know, where he is at mentally after, you know, dealing with the injuries in the past and everything. He was in a concession protocol. There's just way too many question marks slash flaws on this roster to say this roster, uh, that Anthony Richardson is in a better position for success over Andrew Love from 2012. Yeah, I mean, the, the guy that can do that is going to be sitting at home or something. That's in the first uh, four weeks of the season. No, oh, man. Oh, he'll, he'll be in his sweatpants and hoodie. That's what he'll be, man. That, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm, and and looking mad. Looking all mad. I am tired of looking at Jonathan Taylor in his sweatsuit and hoodie, man. He should just keep his behind at home and stop faking like he's out there supporting his teammates because we know that's not the case. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's all that is is a blueprint. I mean, that's a script by his representation to look like that, to look unhappy. And, yeah, this whole thing is just a really stupid mess to me. You agree? It, 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 it's a clown show. That's what it is. It is a complete, utter clown show. And and I'm not even going to put this. Yes, Jonathan Taylor and his reps are at fault here, too. But I think the culture are at fault, too. And, I, and, I don't, and I'm not saying the, the entire organization. Just the guy that owns the team. I mean, he had a fuel to the fire early on. And now the fire is completely out of control. He wasn't moved. Chris Ballard's up there um, having to address question after question about Jonathan Taylor on Wednesday, knowing that uh, that this is this relationship is they are they're basically they are essentially teetering on divorce. One one person sleeping in the bed, the other sleeping on the couch. It's uh, Mike Wells of ESPN Radio. I know you've been uh, active on ESPN Radio. Were you on yesterday? Um, no, I was. Um, 
uh, uh, two days ago. Wednesday night, but uh, yeah, I was on yeah. two days ago, man. Hey, I gotta. Can you tell me how have you ever did a five-hour show? Man, I have. <laughs> I have. Yes. Man, I have. I got. I, I have a five-hour show on Monday night, seven p.m. to yeah. midnight. Woo, boy! I'm yeah. I'm gonna stay silent all day so my chops can be well rested uh, for the five-hour well, show. And that, that's one where you'll want to get a little bit loose, too, right? Because you're, you're trying to get listeners in a moment when, you know, you're really going to have to work to get listeners, so you'll probably get a little bit loose. But you know what? I think this, like I'm doing the JMV Takeover for the first time ever on location here tomorrow night at Mystic Waters Campground in Pendleton. And I like look at the challenge more than anything else. So, yeah, you, you looked at that challenge, and that's what really makes it, I think, more than anything else does. Well, first of all, hey, are you going to be sitting in your speedos doing a show uh, tomorrow night? <laughs> oh, I've got, I've got my, uh, I got my swimming trunks that have anchors, yacht rock anchors, all over it. I, I'm going to tell you what, cabin 39 is going to be rocking. So don't bother knocking. You know what I mean, Mike? Man, hey, uh, you're gonna have some beverages. You're gonna be running your mouth. Hopefully, you'll have some people coming <laughs> I got, by. Uh, the, the the mouth will be running. The beverages will be flowing. It is gonna be beautiful. I'm gonna tell you what, because this is a Heaven Hill Distillery outlet here. It's like, remember when uh, when have you ever watched the Beverly Hillbillies when Uncle Jed like first shot? For some reason, he had the worst shot ever trying to hit something to eat, and he like up from the ground come the bubbling crude. That's exactly what you have with Heaven Hill. Distillery bourbon here. Up from the ground come the bubbling crude. It is going to be a never-ending flow this weekend. So it is going to be uh, one of the better, most epic times on a Labor Day weekend we've ever seen. So I'm thinking we need an appearance by you. What do you think? I'm going to have to say nah, because listen, you get camping, that means you're going to have a shower, your ass is probably going to be funky. No, no, uh, no, no. I'm right next to the bathroom and the shower. I've got AC and a TV. Come on, man. Hey, so so what are you going to do all day tomorrow? So I assume you're, you're staying the night down there tonight, right? Up there tonight? Uh, I think Laney plays over it. Uh, you know, it's funny, too, right? Because uh, Finch Creek's right down the road. I mean, literally 10 minutes away. And normally she plays up there. So this weekend they play at the pack. So that's over in Westfield. So I'm going to swing over there and see what she's doing to make me happy or unhappy. And then I'm going to come back up here and rock it. Hey, by the way, have you heard the news? Have you heard the news that there is going to be an assistant coach for these group of eighth grade Center Grove girls in the fall? And his name just might be me. How about that? Are you, are what, you serious? What do you think you we're going to be running? You're going to be the – hey, you, so you're going you're gonna to be – you, you finally got those people at Center Grove to let you through the door. I think my daughter is going to quit, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Laney may end up quitting, <laughs> but yes. And I, I just said, I, I've said this. I said, hey, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go out there and we're gonna play as fast as possible and let the chips fall. I said, I'm all for getting into this, you know, stylistic offense and running sets. And then I'm going to say running sets my ass. I mean, we're going to get some turnovers. We're going to push the ball. And we're going to score as easy as we can. And then we're going to defend, you know, make sure we don't give up layups. I mean, really, it's simplex with these girls. It should be, shouldn't it? Why would nobody yeah, follow okay. that? 
And so is Laney at the uh, middle school across the street from Center Grove High School or the one that is off of, like, Fairview Fairview Road or whatever? No, no, no. Yeah, it's the one right across from, uh, from CG. So right across Ooh. from CG. Yeah, I'm a, uh, yeah, I'm going to be there. I can't – see, it's weird because I can't be at all – uh, because I know I'm going to have some Colts games because they play like at every one o'clock imaginable coming up this fall, and I know that that's probably going to screw some things up. But I'm, I'm going to be there enough, and I'm going to tell you we're going to play fast. We're going to play fast, or at least I'm going to tell them to play fast. There's no doubt about it. So I, I'd had enough. I said, listen, I've got it. I've got to have my voice heard, and here it is. So. I'll bitch my daughter, and then we're gonna do. Th- <laughs> we're gonna play fast. What we're gonna do? So is that is that the middle school with Kemper and Kennedy and Grace? It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I've already oh. been given the seal of approval from Mike Kemper. He feels pretty good about it. Holy cow! I'm going. Hey, keep me. He just doesn't know that. I'm gonna I'm make his daughter again. run like hell too. I don't know if he knows that yet. Oh man, my 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 my. Hey, um, hey, I, I got to tell you, I know today was a condensed version, and I got to get running. But next Friday, yep. I can't wait for next Friday's show because that's season prediction time. Where are you going to be on site at? I'm at Twin Peaks in Greenwood. I think next Friday, Bud Light Blue Friday. You going to be there with me? Oh, you! Should, oh, things are going to be peaking out next Friday at Twin Peaks. I'm going to I'm going to dangle I'm going to dangle the Twin Peaks carrot for you right there. What do you think? You know what? I'm coming down just to get the wings. Hey, can we get our favorite five foot? Let's get our favorite five foot one ginger beater too. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, Red will Red will join us. Red's been Red's been in the Southwest. He's been hanging out at the Unser Compound down in Albuquerque, Albuquerque, New Mexico. So Red will be out there with us. Yeah. So I, I unfortunately I do got to get running, but next Friday, next Friday yep. is going to be the show of the year for us, brother. Hey, tell my girl I miss her. All right, I will do, brother. Tell Lainey I said hello. I'll talk to you next. I'll see you next Friday. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, week three of the high school football season, let's bring on board from Indiana Sports Talk tonight and tomorrow night, Network Indiana affiliates across this state. It is our friend Bob Lovell who joins us now. Hello, Bob. How you doing? John, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. You know what? The only better spot you could be is up here enjoying the weekend with us. The only thing better you could be doing. Um, um, do you have a pool? Well, we have a lake. We okay, have a lake. Well, I know um, you have a pool, so you're going to be you're going to be poolside I, when I you're do. not talking up, right? When yeah. you're not talking up on the show, you're going to be poolside, right? <laughs> Actually, I pulled myself away from the pool to do this interview. So uh, I'm getting, you know, I'm, I'm working out. I'm, I'm getting my routine. <laughs> That's show well, prep. And show prep by the pool. Yeah, that, yes, <laughs> there, no doubt about that. There, there is a, um, a lot going on in this week, number three. Uh, go ahead, though. Let's rewind a little bit. It, tell me what your thoughts were on the first two weeks we've seen. I think the first two weeks were pretty neat in a sense that you got a chance to see uh, some teams play 
uh, in different geographic areas. And we've talked about this before. You got some of the Fort Wayne schools to play, uh, some of the Central Indiana, Marion County teams. Uh, there were other uh, types of situations around the state. But, you know, normally you don't see uh, the Fort Wayne, the Snyders and, and Lures and those kinds of teams play teams outside of Fort Wayne because the conference uh, affiliation and scheduling as it is. And so those things have changed a little bit. And I, th- I think it gives uh, opportunities for everybody to play better teams. And, you know, the Indianapolis area has had great success in winning championships. And I think if you're in the Fort Wayne area or in areas uh, other than central Indiana, you want to play these teams in, Indi- in Indianapolis and find out what you are, how you compare, and what you need to do to improve be able to challenge for a championship so i I think that that certainly seems to have worked for the the teams involved in that in these first two weeks we've seen a lot of points scored we've seen a whole lot of points scored in the first two weeks and uh you know the question is everybody ready to go conference play tonight i think you're beginning to see teams separate themselves if you will uh in terms of who's legit uh even though you're two weeks into it and there's still a lot more to be played but uh, tonight may be one of those nights, John, where this might be the Friday night with as good a game statewide as we'll stay all, uh, see all year long because there's some really so, tremendous games all over the state. Yeah, no doubt about that. Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talks, got you covered on all of it later on tonight. Uh, we'll start with our high school football game of the week brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana Joe Childers run, CarX locations. You got Trinity out of Louisville, Kentucky, and you have Center Grove. Center Grove looked like that they bounced back nicely uh, against Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, last week after that loss on the road in Canton, Ohio, the week prior, which was a huge test. Um, and and I, listen, I know he doesn't want to lose, and you know he doesn't want to lose, but I bet you Eric Moore is cool with trying to figure out and then figuring out exactly what these guys are doing and getting everything in place. I, he probably took a lot away from that week one that helped him out in week number two last week. Well, he hasn't won three straight championships uh, without a reason. I mean, he is a tremendous tactician, a tremendous motivator. Uh, I think he has some, obviously, new faces at certain spots, and so they're trying to find their way along. It was an impressive win for them last week, uh, without question. Uh, This is the murderous opening part of their schedule continues with an always good Trinity team out of Louisville. And, you know, we talk about that improvement from game one to game two, and you're trying to continue it, obviously, now from game two to game three and so uh, it's a, another very important game for them but you had to feel better much much better about who you are as a team and as a group and what you did last week how difficult is it when you know these games are so incredibly valuable um, regardless and I know Center Grove schedule is a lot different than everybody else's how difficult is it week after week especially you know with a, a beginning loss for example to shake that off go back to work refocus and then go at it the next week because these things all of a sudden now start coming at you incredibly rapid fire well it's hard it's hard to do for for adults let alone 16 17 8 year 18 year old kids and so you know as a player you're frustrated because you're you're buying into what the coach is having you do you've you've been to the workouts you're trying to make yourself better physically you're trying to get better as a team 
And to not win, that's disappointing. And to not win more than once is disappointing. And you can talk to kids all you want to about this is a great schedule and this will benefit us later on. They need that immediate payback. Uh, they, they need that immediate reward. And so it's really difficult for you to, to keep your kids zeroed in and play at the level they need to play. Uh, we're playing that difficult to schedule. And I, I applaud Coach Moore and others who've been able to do it. It's not an easy thing to do by any means. Hey, okay, Rick Venturi's here I with me that. right now. Uh, he wants to know real. if Noblesville, if the Millers are for real. That they really are. <laughs> no, no, they are. I mean, they. I tell you what, you know, all of Hamilton County is for real, to be honest. And so they've stepped their games up. Uh, they've struggled, obviously, in the last two or three years. But this is legit. Uh, they they have played very, very well. They got some really, uh, I think, very talented. Um, uh, some of their uh, skilled players are really talented. Uh, they are a legit football team. And, again, uh, you, when everyone around you is elevating their play, uh, you have to you know, reach down and figure out a way to keep up with them. And it's a very competitive situation. No, no doubt about that. And I, I'm thinking about this, for example. Uh, like, How about Franklin Central, you know, getting off to that 2-0 start now? Right. Uh, they're going to get a test tonight against uh, 2-0 Brownsburg, certainly. But coming off that 26 win over Ron Colley last weekend, how about that nice start at Franklin Central? Well, it's impressive. I, I, you know, I think that they, uh, again, you know, a good win over Ron Colley. Uh, Ron Colley. I think is a solid, solid football team. I think we all know that. They'll find out much more about themselves, obviously, against Brownsburg tonight. You have one of the most explosive offenses in the state. you got to figure out a way. You have to figure out a way to score, uh, move the chains, as they like to say, and you can't give up big plays against Brownsburg. It's going to be a long, long night for you. So, yeah, it's one of those situations where you're playing better. You're ranked 14th at Franklin Central for a reason. You've got you got good players, but you have maybe one of, if not the best team on your schedule coming in tonight. Four and five in 5A clash this evening. Decatur Central, 2-0 and on the season, 1-1. One and one, Whiteland uh, down in Johnson County, Bob, later on this evening. Well, Decatur Central is off to a really, really good start. I mean, they had some guys back from last year, had a nice run. They struggled a little bit early last year. Whiteland played for a championship, lost a number of those kids, uh, trying to fit, you know, move people to different spots, taking them a while. I, I think they're struggling right now to find some identity and make some consistency in terms of plays on both sides of the ball. Nice little uh, – it's a great conference matchup, mid-state conference matchup between – Two really good football teams. So, Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk coming up tonight, tomorrow night. You can find, uh, obviously, uh, throughout uh, Network Indiana affiliation, as always, every Friday and Saturday night. Um, let's go a little bit south here. I mean, as, as the numbers get smaller in terms of class size, uh, the <laughs> south starts to step up with better teams. Um, let's look in the south right now. In, in terms of the, the best in the South is Evansville Wrights at 2-0, Class 4A, maybe at the top of that list to begin with? Well, Wrights is as good as anybody down there. Uh, I don't think there's any question. Uh, you know, it's a situation where, you know, they've been good for a long, long time. Uh, I, I think Castle is a, a good football team, too. Uh, but I think Wrights 
if you obviously you look at the uh, at the polls, uh, they're clearly at or near the top of all that. And so I think for for most people, when you, you think about what they've been able to accomplish at rights over the long haul, uh, you know, they're they're really solid. Um, I think right now they they're probably the best of the bunch. Although there's a whole lot of football to be played, but a good place to start. Rights is good. Modern day is good again. John, they're Frank Kiley in two A. Uh, they're legit. So uh, yeah, some tremendous tremendous teams down in in the Evansville area without question. Yeah, it's Bob Lovell's with us. So I mentioned Ron Kiley, uh, one and one, and certainly they lost an absolute ton from that team a year ago. And with Chittard, Chittard, they're reloading at 2-0. and Those two teams coming up later on this evening too, Bob. Well, Chittard is really good. I mean, the, and this will be a great match. It's always a great matchup. But Chittard rolling, they're, they're playing, you know, Chittard football. Ron Kiley obviously coming off a loss. Uh, it's a big game for them. Uh, there's no question. You know, you're one-third of the uh, way into your season. You, you need a win. Uh, you're on the road if you're on Cali. You need to bounce back. But you're playing a very, very good football team that will run the ball at you, uh, make you have to make plays. Big thing for, uh, I think, Ron Cali here is defensively, you got to create some turnovers, and you clearly have to take advantage of them because you don't want to let your targets dominate the ball, which they're clearly capable of, of doing. Hey, Bob, before I let you go, too, looks like we have a southeast side of Indianapolis number one battle between 2A and Class A later oh, yeah. on tonight. Yeah. Triton Central yeah. and Lutheran clash in a week three. That's a nice week three matchup right there. No, it really is. I mean, Triton Central, Tim Abel's been there a long time. Great coach. Uh, Dave Pash, tremendous coach at, at Lutheran. Everybody knows Lutheran's going back-to-back. Larry uh, capable of making it three in a row. This is really, to be honest, uh, a, a, a game between this would also almost be, John, like a state championship matchup. Both these teams are capable of winning the 1A shot in the championship. And so, you know, how these kind of games boil down to, uh, you got to take care of the ball, uh, get the ball in the end zone. Uh, it's a, a big, strong front line for uh, Lutheran on both sides of the football. Some really skilled players back from last year's championship team. You're talking about maybe the, the in terms of the caliber of play and evenness of play, this may be the best in the entire state. Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk tonight, tomorrow night's going to have you covered with everything this evening and then uh, you know, all the uh, college football from Purdue, Fresno State, IU, Ohio State, and then some coming up tomorrow night for you. Indiana Sports Talk, year number 30 with Bob Lovell with us. Brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana CarX locations, carx.com for that location nearest you. All right, time to get out of the pool for good. And get ready for a night of high school football. All right, you got a big show coming up. John, I actually think I'll go back in and catch a little more quality time and uh, delay, <laughs> yeah, my, uh, delay my start, okay? How's that? By the way, that voice you hear right here is Rick Venturi. Rick Venturi is uh, doing a lot of work right here. Bob, Rick, Rick, Bob. Yeah, hey, great to, great a, to hear you, Bob. Fan. No question about that. I, I asked you about the, the Millers because uh, I've got a future Miller. He's on the grinders right now, and that's Austin Venturi is going to be a part of that program. So I'm kind of on top of that one. 
Well, as I said, you know, they've, they've, they've struggled in the last three or four years. And, and listen, I don't have to tell you, you know, the caliber of play in Hamilton County, that sectional one of the hardest ones to win. Uh, but they've just stayed the course. The kids have just gotten better and better. Uh, and clearly there's a, a lot of reasons to be excited about Miller football right now. There you go, Bob. You have a great weekend, great Labor Day weekend, and we'll talk at you again next Friday. John, as always, thanks. I appreciate it very much.